I need, we're going through the book of Matthew, right? And last week we had that great performance from Luke and Sarah who was here and we had some angels, Caitlin, some great, and where Jesus was in the wilderness and he was tempted, right? This week, Jesus is traveling to Galilee and he's like preaching to all these crowds. And then Jesus goes up on this mountain because there's these big crowds and he goes up on this mountain and then he preaches uh, this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, so we're going to be talking about a few verses of the Sermon on the Mount today. But I need a volunteer to be uh, to read Jesus' part here. Would anyone like to read the part of Jesus? No, no one wants to read. G. Oh, well, will student? Does any student want to? Jewel, Jewel, Jewel. All right, Jewel. That's what I'm hearing. Geo, do you want to? Zaire? Zaire, come here. Come here. Come here. No, Tyler? Luke, do you want to? Do you want to? There's only one. There's one part. There's a narrator and Jesus. All right, good. Okay, Luke. Wait, I'm the only one here, though? This is Matthew. Yeah, but it's cool. This is Matthew. Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. Well, actually, you're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Just follow what it says, okay? Follow what it says. And if that's a mountain, just think about it, okay? And, okay, all of you actually have a part. All of you actually have a part. You are all disciples, okay? So you have to do what the disciples do in this passage. Feel free to... to, to Wait, verses 1 through what? 1 through 12, okay? All right, here we go. So d- disciples, really, all of you are disciples, all right? Sean, I know you didn't want that part, but it's the part you were given. I'm sorry, okay? You got it. All right, okay. You're a disciple. All right. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Here we go. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. Go, go, yeah. Go on the mountain. So seeing the crowds, Jesus, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, okay, good. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Yep, good. Go sit down around him. Good. Good. His disciples are going to him. Good. Jesus. Jesus. Uh, yeah. And when he sat down. <laughs> okay. Yes. And when, Je- and when Jesus sat down, his disciples came to him. And Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Who were 
Good job. That was, that was, sorry, I forgot to tell you how long it was. All right, and now you can all come back, sit down over here. That was great. Sorry, man. Thanks. Thanks, Luke, for doing that. And good, great job, disciples. Okay. Yeah, good. Come settle down in your chair, and I'm going to pray. All right? All right. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. Um, we thank you for just being with us right now as we uh, just sit together and learn uh, together. Would you would you help us to uh, know you better because of uh, just this time together today? Would you help us to um, learn from your words uh, that you speak to us? And would we all leave here changed and knowing the real presence, uh, the real living God here with us? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, last week? Was it this week? Oh, this week. Friday. Last Friday. Cass and I, we went to this place called Pinspiration. Everyone ever, anyone ever heard of that place? It's in Randolph, Pinspiration. All right, well, it has to do with painting, okay? A lot of it has to do with painting. It's like a craft place. And I'm not a big painter. Like, usually I, if I paint something, if you went to my parents' house, they have paintings that I painted when I was a young child. And they are not great paintings. They, like, I, I drew this, I painted this painting for my grandparents once. And you can barely tell what the painting is. It's supposed to be like a lovely painting of my grandparents and me like standing there in front of a house. Can't really tell. We, it's just like aliens invaded the earth is what it actually looks like. All right. So I don't, I don't love painting. Okay. Painting is, I don't, I don't find joy in painting. I'm like, painting's actually not great. Painting, watercolor painting, not good. Anyways. All right. I don't like painting. So Cass and I, we're, then we're going to go to this place called Pinspiration. And there's this thing in Pinspiration called the splatter room where you, they give you a big canvas. And then you just get to like, just take paint and throw it at the canvas. And, and I, and Cass, my, my lovely mother got us a gift card to go to this place. And I was kind of dreading it. I was like, I don't like painting. Mom, why would you get us a gift card? And Cass was so excited. She's like, this will be so fun. And, and then Cass suggests that we finally go because my mom got us this gift card a long time ago. So she, she suggested that we finally go. And I was like, Oh, trying to push it off, you know, as far as I could. And, but now, eventually, we went there last Friday. And the whole time, they make you put on, like, this big poncho, and they give you a hairnet and, like, things to cover your feet so you don't get, like, any paint on you. So you look like a fool, too, while you have to do this painting thing, all right? So we go in there, and we start throwing paint at the canvas, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. And I'm throwing paint at the canvas, and it's so fun, and then we're like all painted and there's paint everywhere and there's music on. They gave us a speaker and it was, it was so fun. I want to go back to do it because it was so fun. Right? Yeah. Cass is like, we don't need to go again, but I'm like, yeah, we should probably go again. Probably tomorrow. So maybe Friday, maybe Friday we'll all go on the lock-in. Uh-huh. Um, but I had like the best time of my life. And, and I was like, I never knew that painting could be this good, could be this awesome because my experience with painting before was like black. You know, I never, but then I had this great experience and I was like, I never knew that painting could be this amazing. And I think, I think Jesus, we can learn a lot of things from Jesus and his words here in this passage. But I think one thing that we can see is Jesus is showing us just how great his kingdom is, right? We kind of talked about how Matthew, there's, there's common themes that come up in Matthew. And one of those common themes is the kingdom of God. And today, I think Jesus is kind of showing us just how great the kingdom of God is. And maybe we don't expect it. 
Because oftentimes when we think about our lives or our world, I feel like we don't always have good experience with our world. Just like I didn't have a great experience with like painting. And I was like, it's probably bad. Like, I think a lot of times, like our lives are messy. Our world is messy. And so we're like, that's just how life is. You know, there can't really, there's not necessarily something really better out there. But I think Jesus is showing us that there is something better out there that we, that we can't even really imagine right now. Like you don't know how good and awesome the kingdom of God is. Okay, so we're just going to look at, Jesus says one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine things here, I think. And we're going to look at them and look at how maybe our world would view these things, but how Jesus actually views these, views these things. So the first thing that Jesus says is, blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay, does anyone have an idea of what that means to be poor in spirit? Not good. Okay. Okay, so there's like a negative connotation there. Good. Uh huh. If you imagine poor in spirit, okay, okay. So there's some kind of like weakness there, maybe. Right. Like. Uh huh. Yeah. I think those are. Anyone else have any anything? I think that you guys are hitting hitting at a, at a good thing there, right? Like, it's it's not something that necessarily seems like a strong or like confident thing. It's like there's some sort of weakness there, or maybe like some sadness or some overwhelming or like some anxiety. Like someone who's poor in spirit, they're beat down, right? They're needy. Someone who's poor in spirit is needy, right? And and often when we see when we see a needy person in our world, or when we see an overwhelmed person or a sad person, how often? Maybe not you, but but. How do we often like think of those people? Do we do we tend to like move toward them and be like, yeah, let's uh like I'm gonna share my life with you, or do we kind of try to be like that person's a little too needy, let's get away from them. That person's a little bit too like sad for me. I'm gonna get away from them. I think that I think that is often true of how like our world interacts with people who are poor in spirit, how, how we often interact with people who are poor in spirit. But I think what Jesus says, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's so opposite, so opposite to how our world or this kingdom, this worldly kingdom kind of views the poor in spirit, right? Because this, this earthly kingdom kind of says, oh, get out of here. But Jesus says, no, the kingdom is for those who are poor in spirit. They're blessed. Okay, the next thing Jesus says is, blessed are those who mourn. All right, what, what kind of reasons do people have to mourn? Anything, it could be anything. Yeah, losing someone, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe not just losing someone, but losing something. Something precious and dear to you, right? Losing an ability. ability. Yeah, something that you were able to do that you're not able to do anymore. Yeah. Right? And do people always mourn for themselves? Like sometimes you can mourn for someone else too, right? Yeah. You can can mourn for others who are hurting, right? Or you can even just mourn for like the state of of how something is. Like if you're like, that's not how it should be. And just feel like deep sorrow for that and with that thing, right? So how do, how do people who think of, well, like how do people who mourn, how are they often viewed by people? Kind of weird. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. You don't think so? Take pity on. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, no. Yeah, so it's not necessarily someone who you want to go close to, or maybe, right? Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think so. I think the, anyone else have anything? How do how do how do we interact with people who mourn? Is it like a little uncomfortable sometimes to be with someone who's mourning? Can it be? Especially like Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think not all the time, right? Like sometimes we are good at moving towards people and comforting them. But a lot of the time, like if someone comes to us and they're having a bad day, our first thought, even if it's not our words, our first thought can be like, I'm having a great day though. Like, I'll comfort you, like, I'll pat you on the back, but I'm not going to invite you into my life right now to kind of mess up my vibe, right? But Jesus says, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There's this, this promise of comfort in Jesus's nearness to them. Like, he invites them to know him, even as they're mourning, which is pretty awesome. And then the next thing Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Does anyone have an idea of what meek means? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? Building off that. I think that's great. Yeah, like lowly, gentle, quiet. Right? I think I think those are all all kind of good ones. And I think people people who are often lowly and gentle and quiet, uh, would you guys agree that those people are often pushed around? Like easy, they're taken of taken advantage of easily. Like maybe you've been that person in the situation where like you aren't where you you're not like I'm not going to say anything and people take advantage of of that or they they bully you because of that right because because they just see you as a small person who they can who they can do whatever they want to or or whatever right. And I think that's often like how we we view those people like they're overlooked they're bullied they're taken advantage of but Jesus says blessed are the meek. Because they will inherit the earth. They'll inherit the earth. I mean, imagine that. Like people who are often overlooked in, in this world, they actually are, are they, they have some great reward in, in the kingdom of God, which is pretty amazing. Like a pretty amazing message to tell someone who, who is gentle and quiet and overlooked and taken, adva- and taken advantage of often. Right? That's really powerful. Okay. Next, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, okay? Or maybe blessed are those uh, whose desire for good, who have a desire for goodness for themselves and for others, right? Have you guys, what, what do you guys think, when you guys think of someone who is righteous, what do you think of? 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's some sort of like goodness that's attached to like righteousness and, and trying to see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The director. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think those, those are good things, right? Like people who are righteous, they, it, but it doesn't say just blessed are those who are righteous, but blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So it's blessed are those people who like, whose desire, they just have this, this like desperate desire for goodness. And, and I think here is like that goodness is connected to God. That goodness is connected to Jesus. And they have this desperate desire to know goodness and to have goodness. And, and they're not satisfied in, until they have that, right? They're, they persevere and they love that. And, and Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Which is pretty amazing because I think oftentimes, even if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, if, if we hunger and thirst for goodness, we can, we often like are left still hungry for that, right? Because I don't think, I don't, I've never felt per perfect in my life. I've never felt like I'm, I'm perfect or like the things around me are perfect. But Jesus says that those who hunger and thirst and pursue and desperately desire righteousness, they will be satisfied, which is really amazing. Because I think that as, as much as we hunger and thirst for righteousness in this world, there's nothing in this world that can actually satisfy that desire for us other than God. And God says those who hunger and thirst for that will be satisfied. And he's the one who can, who can satisfy us. And then Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. Okay? And I feel like merciful people, th can, you, can everyone think of someone in their life who's like very merciful, very gracious, who's always like, hey, it's okay. I forgive you or I forgave this person. Like, can you think of someone in your life who's like that? And if you can, maybe you know someone like that. Maybe, maybe one of your parents is very merciful. Maybe one of them isn't and one of them is not. Like, uh, but then, so there's one, you know, you can get like away with more, more stuff, you know? You're like, okay, this, this parent, you know, they're more like, it's going to be okay. It's okay what you did. So you like test the waters a little bit more. Um, and I think that's like, that's kind of the case with our world. Like when we meet people who are very merciful, it's really easy to kind of test the waters a little more. To be like, oh, you're, you're showing me mercy? Okay. Uh, sometimes it's like, okay, I respect you. But sometimes it's like, oh, you're a very merciful person. Let me see what else I can get away with. Right? I think that's kind of like a thought that we have sometimes in, in our world, in, in ourselves, right? But Jesus says, and, and I think like it's easy to take advantage of people who are merciful a lot of the time because they, they're merciful and they're gracious and forgiving, right? And Jesus said, says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And I think Jesus says something amazing about the kingdom of God, is that his, his kingdom is all about mercy. Right? Blessed are the merciful, because they shall receive mercy. And maybe mercy in our world is kind of seen as weak sometimes. Like, why would you, why would you let that person stomp over you? Why would you forgive that person? And I think it can kind of be seen as weak sometimes. But actually, in the kingdom of God, it's something that is so powerful. And actually, like the, it is the powerful force that all of us get to partake and join in to the kingdom of God, only by mercy, not because we work so hard, but it's because of Jesus' powerful mercy that we get to be there. All right, three more, okay? Blessed are the pure in heart, okay? And this is kind of a hard one. Uh, pure in heart can be like, there's different things that different commentators say about it, but I think one main thing about blessed are the pure in heart, who are the pure in heart, I think a big part of that is that they are honest about who they are. They're honest with themselves about who they are. 
Okay? And I think this is, this is opposite to, to the world, to how we often like to present ourselves, right? We like to put out our best selves. I like to put out my best self. I don't like people to actually know, like, my, every thought that goes in my head and, and everything I do and, and, like, that would be scary. Because they would just see like the weakness. They would see the brokenness, right? We like to put out our best selves to other people. That's like a value that we all have. We, we hide our weaknesses. But Jesus actually says here, blessed are the pure in heart. Or blessed, blessed are those who are, who are honest about who they are, who are honest with themselves and are honest with God. Because with God, there's actually no, there's no, ultimately no hiding who we are, right? Like God, God knows us. He knows us fully and wholly. And Jesus and Jesus actually says that we can be honest with who we are, with God and with others. We can be honest even with our weakness. And isn't that such a freeing thing to feel like we don't have to hide anything? Like the kingdom of God is all about actually, in a, in a part, being who we are wholly, but also being transformed into and becoming who Jesus is making us to be, which is really amazing and so freeing. And then Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, Right? Peacemakers. Anyone here a peacemaker? Anyone here really like peace? Peace is good. Peace is really good, right? Right? Blessed are the peacemakers, like those people who care for unity or to, togetherness. Right? Like they don't they, they care about making sure things are whole, even if that means doing the hard work of like diving head on into a situation that's messy and broken and trying to like sort out those things and bring peace there. Right? But okay, here's the thing though. We if we're honest, we all like a little drama, right? I don't like a little drama here. I like a little drama. Like the hot goss, you know, around the dinner table, the hot gossip. No? You know what guys don't say that? Okay. But I think it's true, right? Like we, we all like a little drama in our lives. Like when something, when someone's talking about something that is like, like if Jordan and Cass were talking about something right now that was like, hey, what's going on at school? I'd be like, what is going on at school? You know? What's going on over there? You know, we all like, we all like a little drama. We all like a little conflict. As long as it's not like in our lives necessarily. We like, we like other people's conflict and we like to know about it, right? And gossip and, and talk about it. But Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, right? Our world, we like drama, but Jesus' kingdom is full of children of God who love peace. Right? And that's just something, that was something that I, as I was reading this, that was just really convicting. As just I think about like the conversations that I have and what I talk about, right? Jesus' kingdom is full of children of God who love peace. You have togetherness, which I think is really powerful again and like transforming as well. Okay, the last thing that we're going to look at. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Okay, or blessed are those, I think in this case, it, Jesus goes on, right, for following him, right? For those who, who, who walk in the way of Jesus, who know Jesus, right? Who are, who are merciful, who are peaceful, who are gentle and meek and honest and humble. And I think even more than that, like, blessed are those who follow the way of Jesus, who know him and lay down their lives for others. Right? Isn't that what Jesus ultimately did? Like, he was actually persecuted to the point where he laid his life down for others. Which I think is really powerful. Right? All the things, all the things that we just talked about, about Jesus, about the kingdom of God, I think are a lot of the times in reality opposite to this world and how this world functions and how our lives function. Right. But Jesus says, blessed are those continually. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. And he goes on and on. Right. And he says that their reward is great in heaven. And so they can rejoice. 
And so, so what, right? I try to, I try to like say, we're gonna answer this question every time. So what, what does this mean for us? I think this means a couple of things, okay? One, we can try to be more like Jesus and in, in following his ways like this. Like we can try to be honest with ourselves and others, right? About our weakness and about our sadness. We can try to be honest people, right? We can, we can draw near to people who are hurting and who mourn instead of just casting them out, right? We can mourn with others who are hurting instead of being like, you're a little bit, you're not fitting my vibe, right? And we can, we can be gentle in how we respond to people and how we think about people and, and how, we, how we talk and act with people, right? We, we don't always need all the attention on us and being the loudest person in the room. And, and we can be merciful to those who even have hurt us. Like, how powerful is that? Someone who's hurt you and then showing mercy to them. And we can work towards unity and reconciliation and things being made right. And we can desperately desire goodness for ourselves and for others. Right? Those are all things that I think Jesus shows us his kingdom is about. But I think one thing to remember that is really, really important is we can try our hardest to do all these things, to be people who live in God's kingdom and, and follow Jesus. But I think the most important thing that we have to remember is that we can't do it by ourselves. We can't do it by our own effort. We can try to be as merciful as we want, but we'll fail. We can try to be as honest about with ourselves and with others about who we are and our weakness as we want, but we're going we're gonna to fail. We're going to mess up. We can try to uh, really stand with other people and, and try to love them well, but we're going to fail. And what we need is we need Jesus actually alive in us. We need the Holy Spirit to actually move in us to become and be children of God who live in his kingdom. And I think that is ultimately, we don't ultimately find comfort in life. We don't find life in trying to be all these things that Jesus says his kingdom is about but we ultimately find life in Jesus in knowing him in knowing his love for us that we see shown to us on the cross as he lays his life down for us. That's where we find life. And that's where we find goodness. And that's where we have to start and end always. All right, let's pray. God, thank you. Uh, thank you for showing us what your kingdom is like. Thank you for uh, just providing us in, with, with a kingdom that is so opposite to just what we, we know the reality of our world to be. Um, we see a lot of brokenness in our world and in our lives and ourselves. And you say that there's actually something greater out there and, and we wouldn't believe it. So help us to believe it. Help us to follow you. And more than anything, help us to know you and to know your love for us and to know your powerful mercy that extends even to us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.